Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is holding down the fort. And I am your host, Jim O. Fort. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. This is another episode of Holding Down the Fort. This is me, Jimbo Fort. Today, I'm lucky enough to be joined by a personal friend, Brett Cook. Brett is currently a sales manager at Driveline Baseball, where he also trains athletes on the floor and remotely from Seattle. Brett, welcome to the show, brother. Thank you very much. Yeah, Jimbo. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. So Brett's going to jump right in, everybody, with um, you know his training path back when he was in high school a little bit different than what most people's look like at that point, maybe a little more similar to what a path would look like in this day and age for high schoolers who have the access to some of these private sector things. But how did you get to driveline and where did we go from there? Yeah, sure. So um, I'll try to make this relatively short, but uh, basically grew up in, in Massachusetts. I moved to Texas when I was in the middle of high school. And then I started off my college baseball career um, in junior college in Texas. Was that uh, that high school moved to Texas close to the border, if I'm, I'm correct? Uh, close to the border. It, it was in Austin, Austin, Texas. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. think uh, what I'm thinking of is a, a, a college baseball story about uh about something we'll get to here in a minute <laughs> yeah yeah um uh, but but anyway uh moved to austin texas when i was like 15 which is really really good because i was finally surrounded by actual like hard-working good baseball players whereas in, i was in a small town in massachusetts previously and it was hard to kind of surround myself with people who had like-minded um goals or ambitions or just like cared about baseball in general um, now what, so that was huge. what year did we move again uh, when I was 15, so that was in 2012. Yeah. Okay, so is that that's probably right around the time where uh, Cressy Sports Performance in Massachusetts opened up? Is any contact with Eric before we left the area? No, yeah, none at all. I, I never had any, um, like any uh, training with any third party companies ever until I basically I went to the Texas Baseball Ranch when I was 16. Uh, right after moving to Texas, right. It was one of those things where my dad and I heard about it. They're in Houston, like three hours away. And, and then I went and Ron, Ron was there for that one, right? Wolforth. Uh, yes. Yeah. 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 He was running it. Yeah. But, um, basically that time, um, spent a few weeks at the Texas baseball ranch over the summer in high school, if I remember correctly. And then I uh, went to Juco in Texas. I went to Cisco college for a year. Um, and I kind of just understood at that point in my career, I was there for one year. I wasn't, uh, velocity was just not there. And, you know, I really understood that, like, if I want to play D1 baseball, if I want to hopefully someday play professional baseball, I just can't throw like 80 miles an hour, 82 miles per hour and expect to get there. Um, and that's when I stumbled across driveline, just scrolling through Twitter one day, um, just like saw some of the tweets that, uh, Kyle Bodie was putting out um really aligned with some of those philosophies and uh convinced my parents to uh let me move to seattle when i was like 
2019. So that was in 2007. No, that was in 2015. And, um, or 2016. Yeah, 2016. And I lived there for six months while taking a gap year, just training, trying to hopefully like get a scholarship somewhere. Now, quick, quick question at that point in life, right? So we had gone to junior college, back to the story that I was thinking of, did we roll up to some kind of game close to the Mexican border where we saw people hanging from a bridge across the, across the border? Is that, is that accurate or did I, I make that up completely? I think, no, no, that's not something you made up. So we did uh, in my conference um in high school we had a couple teams on the border of mexico and you know some of those border towns aren't the safest places to be i guess and uh it wasn't something that i saw but it was a story that i heard on the other side of the border so it was in um like laredo texas and on the other side of laredo texas is um was Mexico I don't know the name of the city actually and you know some of those border towns aren't the safest so it was always interesting uh going down there but a really good experience uh, for sure. yeah and that so so that story was that that you could see them from across the border and that's uh yeah that's yeah, not yeah. now what we want to hear right brings me right back to uh Walter White and Jesse Pinkman <laughs> yeah. so we um so we're 19 years old it's 2016 we're like mom dad um you know we're I'm packing up. I'm moving to Seattle by myself. Was it a tie from like, I know Ron early on, um, Wolforth had talked with Kyle at like some events and had been kind of on the same page as far as baseball development goes. Was it that Ron knew Kyle or randomly just, we found it on Twitter one day. Um, for me, yeah, I, I didn't know there was any sort of previous relationship. You know, I, I understood that some of the approaches were similar in that at the Texas baseball ranch they have, well, at the time it was seen as like a unique approach to training pitchers because they threw weighted balls. They did pull downs. They did this like super dynamic, uh, workouts. And then, and then I stumbled across a driveline and I had no idea that, um, like, like there is any sort of relationship between the two. And I think the uh, Texas baseball ranch was probably on the scene before driveline was. Um, but I was just literally scrolling through Twitter. And, and I, I remember specifically, there was a tweet that resonated with me. It was a video of Mike Trout uh, hitting a home run on a ball. That was like shit. That was like shin high. And it was just like, um, he tweeted something like, yeah, keep the ball down and you'll be all right if you're a pitcher. Cause it's like that, that was what I always heard when I was a senior in high school. It's just like, you got to throw it at the knees. You can't live up in the zone. And that's just not true for a lot of guys. And we know that now with all the data that's out there with like spin rates and spin axis and that stuff with that, pitch metrics. That has been the approach since my grandpa, you know, played, right. That is, that has always been uh, what everybody has passed down the line when probably we just had nothing better to say and no access to any information. So it's uh, like, it's better down there than up here. Cause if it's up there, it might go over the fence, right? Like the, yeah. the, the game has changed and um, people's pathway has, have become, you know, more, I'd say more similar almost, right. The guys who end up making it all the way to the top. We talked to a minor league who was with the, uh, the Dodgers last week, Cole Dunsing, um, who's a pitcher who is, you know, on the rise with them. He has been in professional baseball for seven, eight years. And he was with, um, you know, another organization in the past and just cannot believe the, you know, the difference we'll say, right. Between some teams approaches and other teams approaches 
even though they're uh, you know, not a they're just a couple miles apart, we'll say. So um with the Dodgers, I know they sent a lot of hitters to driveline in the offseason to um do hitting assessments. I know Mookie, Mookie Betts was one of the guys who ended up there, right? Um Tim Anderson from the White Sox is another one. Arenado's there. Um, all those guys are yes in Arizona with you guys, but the pathway almost seems like where you're curious and hungry as a 19 year old at junior college going, Hey, this isn't going to work for me anymore. These big leaguers have now adopted the approach of like, we're not good enough. We're seeking more information. It's got to be making the game better. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that like the idea is that every player is just going to have that sort of work ethic that gets them to be the best player they can possibly be. And that's just why we see in, in just like athletics in general, uh, athletes are just better now than they were a hundred years ago. Right. Like one of the, one of the stories that, that, that actually resonated with me quite a bit when I was at Niagara was, uh, coach McCoy would always talk about Roger Bannister was the first, uh, guy to run a four minute mile. Right. And then right after he did it, like hundreds of people did it. And now it's just like the standard. I think now the average mile time for a marathon runner that succeeds or that wins those marathons is like four and a half minutes, which is just insane. Um, and that just shows you in, in one sport, how far like long distance running has come. And, and you can say the same for so many different sports, baseball, football, basketball, um, I love snowboarding and you can just see how those things have developed because athletes, um, have just been pushing themselves like to the brink of, you know, what is needed because it's, it's essentially do or die. And it just and makes it so it, much better and so much more competitive. Sean White being an 11 year old who was at the level that he was right. He's an X games gold medalist at 11. I remember yeah. him being in my cool borders video game, um, that I played on PlayStation one shows how old I am, but you know, little tiny Sean White is on there. Somebody who can stay in the sport that long tends to push the limits of it. Would you, yeah, would you yeah. agree with that? Right. So like, I know that Clayton Kershaw early on had been to the Texas baseball ranch, right? So there's a guy who was probably had a competitive advantage that a lot of other guys in the big leagues didn't have as far as access to information, this new kind of training, these, you know, these new ideas that a lot of people kind of just, Hey, the organization didn't say to go do anything else. So like, this is all I do. Um, you know, where driveline has come in. I know you've trained um, with guys from tread athletics before, right? Is the remote aspect to that, right? Not only is the game evolving, but with technology evolving easier to get better from your own home. hundred percent. Yeah. Cause you know, as long as you have a place to throw and as long as you have a place to lift, you can get your programming from a coach who is a thousand miles away. And then you're just communicating with the coach by phone calls, messages, you know, it's, it's best to, to try to do things on site in person with a coach. But I think with like how technology has come, especially with some of the tools that we have access to a driveline that I've been fortunate to be able to use and uh, provide for guys. Um, it, it definitely makes remote programming and training just much easier. We're super interested in that right there too. Some of those tools that make it easier for you as a private sector guy, you know, um, it is challenging sometimes to get good results for remote training kind of people. What kind of things do you guys use to make sure one that we're tracking the data and two, that we can revamp the programs for the guys as often as they need it? Yeah. So the biggest tool that gets used daily by athletes who are remote with driveline is going to be track. 
Um, track is a, uh, kind of like our athlete management system or player development software, as, as I'd refer to it, where it houses all of our athletes that train with us and a player basically logs in on their phone each day and they can access on track their workout for the day. So they can just click on their workout. If it's like a plyo velo, they're going to click on that. It's going to show them exactly what their warm up routine is, what their throwing routine is. Uh, they can input their, their metrics, their velocity metrics into the app or into the phone as well. And then it saves directly to their profile. So that's one of the biggest ones that gets used by players daily. We use it internally at driveline all the time daily as well. So that's huge. So yeah, track is something that anybody has access to if they were to sign up for a program with you guys. Yep. So if you're an athlete that signs up for a program with us, uh, you can get track. And then it's also something that we actually sell as uh, a software subscription to larger organizations that train their own players, because, you know, we want to also help other organizations train their athletes. Like if, uh, if you have an organization in Texas or New York, and you just want a more efficient way to store and manage data, um, you can get on a subscription, either monthly or annual to use that system for your, uh, for your facility. And that's awesome. As kind of back to the, the point of like, sure, the game has evolved over the last hundred years. Um, but technology has evolved over the last 10 years that yeah. allow us to put it in the hands of guys who might've been capable of doing a good job, but just didn't have a way to file it, store it, track it, right? Like the whole idea of track is where it's at. So, um, you know, thank you driveline for being able to, uh, for allowing the rest of us to, uh, to do those things as well. So, um, let's go right back into, you get to driveline as a 19 year old. We moved to Seattle. I got no job. I got no car. Our pets heads are falling off. What do we, what do we walk into day one as a 19 year old in, uh, in driveline? Yeah. Um, day one, I actually do remember my first day ever at the facility. Uh, it was, it was like a February day in 2016. Uh, it was like 10 AM and I could hear uh, dubstep blasting from the parking lot. And I open up the door and I meet my throwing trainer and, um, Eric Sim, the King of Juco, uh, that a lot of people now know him as he was throwing a bullpen, like sitting 96, um, at like 10 in the morning. And I had never seen anything like that in my life. Uh, and that was, just day one, I was like, this is the coolest place I've ever been. Let's say energy, right? Like you are a product of your environment walking into that on day one. And once again, King of Juco now, sure. But at the time, just a guy trying to make his way back from being a catcher in professional baseball and trying to get back into pitching, if if that's correct at that time, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was trying to be a pitcher. Um, and that was just the coolest thing. And a hundred percent, you are the product of your environment, especially like that is one of the biggest benefits of training at driveline in person is the guys that you get surrounded with. And just like the environment that is there of everybody trying to get better, everybody on the same page and everybody or most people trying to just like get back to where they need to be to continue playing. <clears throat> so you get a lot of, right. You get a lot of the, you know, independent ball, has grown so much over the last couple of years, probably from the reduction of, you know, the, the minor league system. Right. And, you yeah. know, more guys just understanding that, Hey, if I train and I can stay in the game long enough, I'll get better to get an opportunity. If I get an opportunity, that's all I need. Right. So um, have you seen, you know, friends, right. And other people that, that, you know, like there's more people 
willing to sell everything in the in the house and and move out to driveline in an RV at this time this time in in the era, right? Yeah, absolutely. When I so when I did that in 2016, I remember it was kind of funny because I told my teammates at the time I was like, "Yeah, I'm going to this place in Seattle called Driveline," and no one really knew what it was. They were like, "What are you? Why are you doing that? What are you doing?" I was like, I just need to do it. But now at any given, it's, it is pretty cool because I was like a, a gap year trainee. And now at any given time, there are just gap year trainees at the facility, whether it's a college guy trying to sign his first pro contract who just graduates or somebody who is uh who like redshirted and is trying to get back into college at any given time, there's like a dozen gap year trainees just at the facility at all times. And um, that's the environment that I think makes it special. A hundred percent, man. And like, you do that in 2016. It's not that you go in and feel out of place, but there's there's definitely a lot less of you and a lot more of Eric Sim, Joe Bimel. Um, you know, I know Dan Straley was one of those guys who was there, you know, early on. Like you probably saw this is what pro people are doing mm-hmm. just to get a chance again, right? Like, yeah, damn, I'm behind. Like that sense of urgency that probably went off in our head right there. Like, tell me about that and kind of um, how it made you hungry until you, you, you know, ended up getting a division one offer out of it. Yeah, it, um, it definitely matured me a lot. Um, I was, I was pretty goofy kid when I was younger, uh, when I was in high school, freshman in college. Uh, and then, you know, I think I had a, I, I thought that I had a good work ethic. Um, you know, I thought that I did everything that I needed to do. I was like, I work hard. I go to the weight room. I throw every day. I'm doing everything that I can do. But then when I finally, for the first time, just like meet other players who are on literally their last leg of playing baseball probably ever again, uh, and seeing how hard those guys are working, um, then I understood that, you know, I, I don't, I don't work that hard. And uh, there's, there's a lot, a lot that I need to put in to accomplish what I want to accomplish. So, yeah. And that you, you see those guys and you're like, all right, it's not the J bands. It's not the, you know, the plyo ball stuff. It's the, it's all of the small details. And I think one of the best ways that I've ever heard it explained is, you know, pitching in competition setting is like Christmas day. And in order to get to Christmas day, there's a lot of having to be good that goes into having an exciting and fun and successful uh, Christmas day, right? Like a, a good Christmas day comes from being good all the time. All of that work that goes into pitching actually happens off the mound. It's not, you can't shoot a, f- a thousand free throws and be a better pitcher, right? You can't throw a thousand pitches and work on, hey, this is where I've got to let go of the baseball, right? It's so much more kind of controlled and the sense that off the mound isn't isn't realistic to do often. So finding out all of these other things that go into it off the mound, is there something certain whether it was like a plyo exercise or a certain lift, like something that really made you feel like, wow, like I totally have been thinking or going about this the wrong way before I, before I found this. Yeah. You know, I think it's interesting um, because pitching in particular is different from so many other sports. I, I mean, in all sports, you have to recover in between your, your high intent sessions, but pitching in particular, like, 
if you're a basketball player, you can go shoot a thousand free throws and it's not going to fatigue you that much. Uh, if you're a pitcher, you can't just throw a thousand pitches off the mound. And it really just makes you think that literally every single rep matters because there's only so many pitches that you can throw and there's only so many throws you can make in a week, right? You can't, you, you can't throw off the mound seven days a week and work on, work on your off-speed pitches seven days a week because you're just going to tax yourself out. You're just going to fatigue yourself. Um, so just understanding that really every rep matters and understanding how to monitor workload and how to monitor your intensity on your lower intent days and your higher intent days um, is so important that I think a lot of people overlook because of how much limited time you really can spend on the mound without overdoing it. <clears throat> that's and that's the big thing, right? The overdoing it part, right? How often and once again, back to your your own career. Ah, one more. Ah, that was shit. One more. Just get, I'll get it there right here. Right. Turns yeah. into four five, six today, 20 on the week, 500 on the season. Oh boy. We were headed in the wrong direction as far as feeling good V low, all those kind of things. Right. So like the ability to track that information, probably the most important in our sport because of how limited we are on the mound. And I know guys all the time, right? Your body breaks down, not just on the mound, but like swinging a baseball bat as hard as you can and missing what you intended on hitting is like getting stuffed by the rim when you cocked back for a huge dunk, right? Like you yeah. can't like replicate, Oh, I was supposed to hit that. So your back, your arms, your wrist, your hammock bones, like, there's so many chances to hurt yourself. And I remember Trevor Bauer talking early on, like, I just want to do everything I can to not get hurt. And then we get hurt, right? So the ability to come back, is that probably the best thing that driveline has supplied to guys who are, who are in the game or who hope to stay in the game? I th uh, Yeah, I think it's one of them. Um, you know, I think just providing that, opportunity and um really like but i think moving forward you know driveline has gotten we got a little bit of a, a name for ourselves or driveline uh itself for helping guys that are on their last leg but like if we're helping guys that are on their last leg what can we do for those guys that are already very good like how can we help those guys become even better and i think that's the push forward is is what we're really shooting for like how can we help or what can we provide for the best of the best to help them become even better than what they are because um, previously it's always it's been known to be just like guys in their last leg and those are the stories that people hear of you know Casey Weathers who was a well-known trainee back in the day and um, he was, was he there when you got there player. by the way like that video dude the how good am I video is yeah. a staple to anybody who's like oh I work hard right and anybody who needs a wake up call that yeah. Casey Weathers videos first. Was he there when you got there? Uh, for a couple of weeks he was. Yeah. I met him, I think briefly, but uh, you know, he went right off to spring training because I got there in like mid February. So yeah. Well, and he's like, he had been at Vanderbilt. Like he has that, that crazy, mm -hmm. crazy good story. So um, that is just, gosh, if anybody needs some motivation in their life uh, here on Saturday night, let's go, let's go watch that before you go anywhere. So um, we get to Niagara we kind of reunite with a, uh, with a pitching coach that we had had before. Talk to me a little bit about Stace and kind of that, uh, that dynamic duo that you guys uh, had coming into the, uh, the Ridge. Oh yeah. So actually he was there um, my third year there. Um, so I got to Niagara in 
2016, the fall, kind of crazy. I committed in August. <laughs> I committed in August and showed up on campus like three weeks later and had never been to Buffalo before. Um, and then now were yeah, you, so did you, had you driven yourself to Seattle and you were just like, shit, I'm throwing everything in the car and I'm, I'm going to Niagara Falls. No. So I flew to Seattle in February. My parents or my mom and I drove back to Texas in August, if I remember correctly, all the way from Seattle. And then we flew, my dad and I flew to Buffalo um, or flew to, and then got to Niagara Falls in August or early September and pretty crazy experience. Wow. Yeah. So Stace comes three years in, was that something that you kind of got asked about that you, you kind of like, Hey, I know, I know a guy who's pretty good. How did he uh, end up out here with you? Yeah, he, he, um, I remember he had shot me a text message and cause him and I went to Juco in, at, in Texas together. We went to Cisco together. He was a year older than me. He ended up at UTSA after our time at Cisco. And, um, and then he shot me a text one day. I think he had just graduated, graduated UTSA. He told me he saw an application for a pitching coach at, uh, Niagara. And, um, I think I told coach McCoy about it. Um, I'm sure I did. And then Stacy shows up like, you know, couple months later and then we kind of get rolling from there <clears throat> that is awesome that is awesome and is he is he still in the game too yeah i think he's uh i think he's a pitching coach or i think he's a head coach in a high school right now in texas yeah beautiful i knew that he was kind of headed back home so texas high school baseball could compare to us lots of college baseball that's out here as i'm looking out the window at uh you know 30 degrees and a snowstorm that came through last night so um, oh, we'll go through, um, the, the final piece, right. Um, as a guy who's training dudes on the floor right now, um, you know, personal records in the, in the building are huge. Like you said, getting out there in person, if you can, I know guys who have been there in person. If I was going to say to a college guy right now, who's not playing summer baseball is looking for a chance to develop. Why are we going to go out to driveline and, and spend the money and kind of, uh, you know, change our lives for the summer. Yeah, just the the training environment that you're going to be in, especially over the summer. College guys from all over the country come to come to Seattle, and now we'll probably be going to Arizona as well. Now that that facility is up and running, and just the ability to be around other like minded players, tons of them who also have similar goals in mind, um, who are trying to increase their velocity, get to where they need to be, or just have a successful sophomore, junior, senior year in college. Um, I think that's the biggest thing and biggest biggest reason why guys should come spend a couple months at the facility over the summer. And we see obviously like we track all the numbers, like the reputation of driveline speaks for itself. I remember sitting down with Mike and Kyle at Starbucks in geez. I want to say the coaches convention in Indianapolis was probably 2017 January and okay. talking to them. They had just gotten Jason O'Chart in the building and they were doing the weighted yeah. bat stuff. And I was new to the facility game and I was all in, right? Like I was starstruck when these guys walked by, you know, as a, as a little group and, they took time out of whatever they were doing to sit at a table at Starbucks with me and literally like answer these questions that I had. And I remember packing my car up and like driving out to Indianapolis, um, you know, to stay with a friend, a pretty low budget, just getting the facility started at the time. And like in my head, I'm just like, dude, I am going to hang out by this driveline booth. I'm going to go to the event that they're putting on with Andrew Moore and um, Matt Daniels was the pitching coordinator at that time. So they were giving a rap Soto demonstration, all sorts of stuff, um, you know, at a professional field nearby. I went there and was like, I got to talk to these guys. Like this is, this is the future of pitching, right? 
fast forward to those years, right? Where Kyle ends up with the Reds, kind of an organization that he always wanted to be with. Derek Johnson's there with him, right? Um, and the the guys that they put out into the professional game, right? Like it's not only a training destination for college players, but anybody who's looking to stay in the game, to be on the analytics side of the game, for anybody who's trying to coach at that next level, strength side, medicine wise, more people are going to driveline than just the athletes. Tell us a little bit about what we offer to uh, to coaches who guys maybe are graduating and don't know what they're going to do next. Don't want to play professional baseball, but need to stay in the game. Yeah. Yeah. So we offer like tons, tons of courses and just tons of free content. And I think that's one thing that we really pride ourselves on is just the blogs that we write out the content that we try to put out for coaches and athletes alike to try to further, further educate themselves on, you know, what they can do to help themselves be better and their players be better. Um, and then we also provide uh, like resources, like our foundations of pitching certification course and our foundations of hitting certification course. Um, and, and those are things that I'm very excited about. And, uh, and I think those are the probably the biggest things that we provide for coaches are those are the content that we put out and just all the information that we provide. <clears throat> yeah. So like if you want to be good at it, athlete, coach, here, like, here it is, right? Like you have yeah. access to it and you can, then you can take it as, as far as you want. So you can't ever look back and say, well, I didn't know this, or we didn't keep track of this. Like, you know, what works. And I think as a private sector person and as a coach, you know, on the professional side of things who has seen how it operates in a couple different organizations, the access to information is something we have to put back in the player's hands. These guys more so than ever, one can handle the info and two want to get better, not just hear what they have to do, but see, dig in, find out what they got to do. Um, you know, tell me anything that Kyle kind of brought back from, you know, the Reds organization that you guys would say you embody going forward to apply it to this group setting that not everybody, you know, can kind of do. Yeah. Um, you know, so one thing that I mentioned earlier in the call too was uh, we used it at Niagara was Modus and now it's Pulse. I know they rolled out Pulse with the Reds uh, quite a bit with their pitchers when he was there. And we have some information on that as well. And I think bringing that to our, to, to driveline and just educating all of our trainers on Pulse, and then we can provide more information because we're also a private sector. We can provide some more information to coaches that are also trying to improve on how to get the most out of their pitchers, how to use technology to get the most out of their pitchers, because technology, like we said, has been um, really growing over the past 10 years and it's been exploding. So I think getting, getting use out of the tech that's available and, and providing that to your team is, you know, what's, what's basically like cutting edge and, and uh, what's going to help them improve the most. And I remember with the angels, I was told, Hey, you've had no rules in the past. Well, there are rules here. And you can't just walk up to a guy and say something. So I can't ask questions about their plyo routine. I can't ask questions about the exercises they like or the ones that they're doing or what they feel when they're doing anything. I can't ask questions to the players. What am I even doing here? And how am I supposed to help them get better? Thank you for listening to Holding Down the Fort. This is Jimbo Fort reminding you to hold it down. Be on the lookout for our new merch. 
Anybody who has any questions for the show or for our guests on the show, please email us at holdingdownthefortpod at gmail.com. Follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and subscribe on YouTube for all the latest updates and to hold it with us. Thank you again. We look forward to having you back for the next episode.